this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another episode of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath between september 2022 and february 2023 eight cheetahs from namibia and 12 more from south africa were translocated to india as part of an initiative to reintroduce the species in india where it had gone extinct in the 1950s the animals were released in the kuno national park in madhya pradesh and seemed to be doing well until within a span of a month two out of the 20 cheetahs died furthermore one of the cheetahs was spotted in a village outside the national park area sparking fears of cheetah human conflict the madhya pradesh forest department has asked the central government for an alternate site for the cheetahs currently introduced uh, and which are in the kuno national park citing lack of logistical support and lack of space and reports do indicate that some cheetahs may be moved to another site probably in rajasthan meanwhile scientists from the cheetah research project of the leibniz institute for zoo and wildlife research berlin have published a letter in the journal conservation science and practice stating that the translocation did not take into consideration the spatial ecology of cheetahs as a result of which the animals are bound to come into conflict with people in the neighboring villages so how serious is the problem of space for the cheetahs at the kuno national park and what does wildlife science tells us about the spatial ecology of cheetahs we have with us today one of the scientists behind the letter on the spatial ecology of these translocated cheetahs in india dr betina wachter she is the head of the cheetah research project and a senior scientist at the leibniz institute for zoo and wildlife research berlin dr wachter thank you so much for joining us yeah good morning and thank you for having me here so dr wachter before we come to the translocated uh, cheetahs in india can you quickly explain for the benefit of our listeners what exactly do you mean by the terms spatial ecology and socio spatial organization they are slightly technical terms so is this something which all animals exhibit or is this something specific uh, to the big cats such as such as cheetahs and lions or just cheetahs yeah so this this terms uh, spatial ecology basically means uh, the movement of the animals and how they use the space this is just a term that we use to include all this information and social spatial organization in addition to the movement and the spatial use how they use the land comes the social system of them which means whether males and females are together whether they overlap in the home range or whether males and females live alone or in groups so all that is connected with the social system so these are just terms that we use to better explain how animals are distributed themselves and how they live in their social life so this can be used for all animals it's just giving this information and with cheetahs this is particularly interesting because they have a very unique and very special social system and very special distribution in their land right uh, so dr wachter you've been studying uh, 
the cheetahs in namibia for over 20 years it's a long time you probably have a, a really thorough knowledge of their behaviors and patterns of movement and in this letter published uh, along with your colleagues which you published in conservation science and practice you argue that the kuno national park cannot support 20 cheetahs which is uh, the number which uh, india went with but on the other hand indian officials forest officials and those associated with the project have argued that there is a higher prey density in india in this park compared to what was there in namibia and maybe in south africa as well and therefore it would lessen the need for the animals to roam far and wide in search of prey so they could indeed accommodate a more number of cheetahs so is prey density a factor at all in the cheetahs spatial requirements can you please explain how you reached the conclusion that the 748 square kilometer area is inadequate for the number of cheetahs it currently hosts Yes, so of course every animal needs some food, but with cheetahs, when you look in the desert, like in the Namib desert, there are very few cheetahs and also very little prey. So every male has an own territory, and the very special and unique uh, pattern in cheetahs is that these territories are separated by twenty kilometers. Even if you go into areas like the central Namibia, where we have quite a lot of prey animals, we still have this distance. between the territories with huge areas in between that are not defended so theoretically you could think that the more prey you add the more dense the cheetahs can live but these territories this is a part of their social system and it is very rigid so if all the territories are occupied then the additional males are becoming floaters as we call them which means that they use much much bigger area and encompass three or four territories so they roam in these very big areas and because this distance is very important for them for their communication and for their social system we think that you cannot squeeze them in as long as there is space to add additional territories in a distance of 20 kilometers so you could do this if you enclose them if you force them to stay in there then of course they stay there and then they also need more food but i don't think that this is the idea of this project that they are fenced in so as long as they have the option to set the next territory 20 kilometers away they probably will do it right so just to uh, clarify what you just uh, explained so you are saying there are two kinds of cheetahs in terms of their uh, spatial ecological behavior one 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 kind has a territory which is like a, i mean a traditional animal territorialism where they let's say uh, like how big is this territory of the territorial cheetahs yeah it is is different in different countries so in namibia we have about 380 square kilometer So if the Kuno National Park is 750 you can put in two of them it uh, can also be smaller like in the Serengeti where there is Serengeti National Park in Tanzania in East Africa so there the territories are smaller they are just 50 square kilometers but still the territory are separated by 20 kilometers so if you put this on a map you just can see no matter how big the territory as such is the distance is what is is the the limiting factor and you just can put in two or maximum three of the territories and then you have these floaters that try to get a territory but they have to fight for it 
Right. So this the floater cheetahs, they are the ones uh, who occupy this no man's land or no cheetahs land. Not really no cheetahs land, but anyway, the the space between two territories of two different cheetahs, right? Which is not defended. You are saying. Yes, the, the territories of the territorial males are separated by 20 kilometers and the floaters, they have home ranges. So this means that these areas are not defended and they have in their home ranges three or four territories plus all this area. Yeah, I'm sorry, what do you mean by home range? What does it mean? Home range is the area that the animal moves and lives and eats and socializes. It's just the area that the animal needs, but it's not defended. And this means that it can be overlapped, being overlapped by other animals, other cheetahs. While a territory is defended, and if somebody enters, it will be chased out. So this is a different concept, and cheetahs have both of these concepts, which is interesting to have this in the same species. Right. So you, you were say you were saying earlier that uh, the territory the territorial requirement of a cheetah could be as high as three eighty kilo, square kilometers and it could be as low as fifty square kilometers, but the 20, 20 kilometers of the space between two territories where the floaters uh, move around that is constant regardless of how big or small the territory is. Now, if you take Kuno National Park, uh, the Indian uh, forest officials, the Indian the project in India. They were aiming to sort of accommodate 20 cheetahs. And you have argued that you can they, it can only accommodate a three at the most. Now, suppose we, we take the lower figure, right? 50 square kilometers is the territory per cheetah. And you still have this 20 kilometers buffer between two territories. How many cheetahs could it then accommodate the Kuno National Park? Yeah, if you have two or three territories, they will be occupied by two or three males. Sometimes males are also brothers, also from Namibia. We have a brother couple that is coming. So these brothers will be together. Then you have uh, from Namibia a solitary one. So these are the three males. And maybe there is another space for another one. And then we have also the females. So far, we only talked about the males. So the females, they are strictly solitary. And they use the space in between. This space between the territories that is not defended. So they are there alone with their offspring. So if you add those, so you probably have three males plus two males, uh, two females in between these areas. So just five? Probably five, yeah. And every, everybody else will spread in 20 kilometer away, the males. And the females, of course, they want to be where they have access to a male. So a female then we'll go when there is another territory 20 kilometers away, settle between these new two territories. Right. So this 748 square kilometers can accommodate uh, uh, the maximum of what, three males and two females is what you're saying? Something like this, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but we do have at the moment uh, 18 cheetahs there. So let's come to the next part of your uh, your letter where you're making uh, these very interesting predictions. Uh, you made six predictions and one of them is that uh, the three male cheetahs from Namibia will occupy the entire territory of the national park, leaving no space for the additional ones from South Africa, which have already been introduced there. So now, will this space crunch, I'm just curious, will it lead to conflict between cheetahs and the farmers in neighboring villages, which you have predicted? 
uh, you can talk about that or will it also lead to conflict between cheetahs because you did mention that uh, if there is an invasion of the territory they will uh, defend it yeah so one uh, prediction we made is because the animals want to as long as there is space for males we think that they will try to settle in a territory they will try to just use one and defend one and if it's full in the park then they will try to settle 20 kilometers next to it which is then in the villages so depending on how tolerant the villages are they accept this and let them being there or they get into conflict with them as we know here from namibia and if you have the animals in the park and want to keep them there and keep them in there by fences then you force some of the males to be floaters and trying to get one of the territories by fighting and these fights are as we see here in namibia quite often fatal for one of both sides so either the challenger the floaters are dead in the end or the territory holder that was killed and his territory was taken over so it's likely that they will come into conflict the males themselves but before they go to a fight we just think that they will try to settle an own territory because then they also have access to females because the females know where the territories are they know they are 20 kilometers away from the other so they can go there and introduce themselves so to speak to mate and if this is not possible then they will fight for the territories the males and this is a conflict as you said between the cheetah males themselves and probably with cheetahs and the local people depending on their tolerance so, so if you look at the behavioral aspect of the cheetahs so you are saying probably in terms of the sequence uh, because they would rather uh, look for their own territory it is most likely that the conflict if any will first happen between the cheetah and the villages and then if that doesn't uh, work or in case it is fenced in and they are forced to look for uh, space within the national park then it would subsequently be a conflict between two males is it what you're saying yes and also if they go outside of the park and settle themselves in this pattern with this 20 kilometers apart at one point probably the area is then not suitable anymore and then cheetah males will become floaters and then you also will have this conflict between the floaters and the territorial males outside of the park so it's all a question what what is allowed for the cheetahs whether they first need to find out where they are how the area looks like whether it's a good place to set up a territory so they first need to roam around so i i'm quite sure that they will not go out of their enclosure and decide from today of tomorrow this is a territory they first need to orient themselves they need to explore the area they need to find out who is more stronger than the other and then it this takes probably quite some months until they have sorted out themselves and also have assessed how likely is it to meet the female because this is in the end of the day the relevant point so it's not really about only food food of course is important but not really the top thing if you have no access to a female 
then what does it help you to have an additional meal? You just need in the end to be available for the females that can find you in these territories. Right. So speaking of how they behave with regard to finding and settling down in their territories and the floaters which you talked about. Now, all of these observations and the conclusions are based on your research in Africa, which is a very uh, different environment from India, all said and done. So why do you think uh, these conclusions from your observations in Africa would apply to a completely different setting such as India? I mean, are there any caveats or unknown factors uh, specific to India that you think might lessen the concerns we've been discussing about spatial ecology and uh, animal-human conflict? Yes, this is a very interesting and important question, of course. Yes, we have made these observations in Namibia. Some of the cheetahs come from Namibia. They are adults already, so they have already socialized and uh, have set up their uh, social and spatial system in Namibia. So this is what they know. And then we also have the same information, actually, from the Serengeti National Park in Tanzania, in East Africa, which is a very, very different setup. So here in Namibia, we are on farmland where we have farmers with livestock. So there is a human-wildlife conflict here. Then we have no lions and no spotted hyenas, which are the biggest competitors for the cheetahs themselves. Then we have here resident prey. And yeah, these, these are the basic factors that we have here in Namibia. In East Africa, this is a national park without a human cheetah conflict. There are tourists, yes. Yeah? So you have these additional factors of tourists. You have a lot of lions and hyenas which kill the cheetahs or the cheetah cubs. And you have a migration there. You have uh, big movements of prey animals. And in both these systems that are very, very different, the social and spatial system of the cheetahs is exactly the same. Based on this, this is just how we as a scientists argue then. We say, okay, if this is in two areas that are different, the same system, because this social system is also linked to the mating system in the end, these are very rigid factors and very rigid systems. And that's why we think, okay, also in another system, this should be, that's what we predict, again the same. Because for the moment, we don't have any arguments that it should be different. Of course, India is different. And of course, the big different thing is that there are no cheetahs at the moment. So that cheetahs first have to distribute themselves on a, on a white blanket, so to speak. So this is also new for us. But from a scientific point of view, this is called a predictive framework or a predictive approach. This means you take what you know, and this is best known in Namibia with a more than 20-year-old project, Plus in the Serengeti, they even worked there since 40 years. So these are information that is quite solid and quite valid. So based on this, we just build up predictions. And this is our argument. But still, there might be some surprises, which is also interesting for us. It's not that we say it has to be like this. But if not, we can adjust from what we know. Right. Cheetahs in India are uh, new for you, uh, all of you scientists. And at the same time, it's new for the cheetahs themselves because they have never been there uh, before, these cheetahs, right? 
So we'll have to wait and see. Now, coming to the action plan and what it has to say, you in your paper, you you actually make a very strong case. You're saying it is inevitable that there's going to be cheetah farmer conflict. And as you explained, uh, how the floaters would need to look for where the territory could be, given that the national park area is already occupied by some, some other cheetahs. Now, in the action plan, what it suggests in terms of addressing the cheetah farmer conflict is that it says that speedy compensation of the farmers whose livestock has been killed or suspected to have been killed by cheetah would actually resolve this because then farmers won't want to go and avenge uh, their loss by killing a cheetah or getting rid of it or whatever. Do you think this is a, a reasonable way of addressing it, this assumption? Uh, it, it could be. I mean, I, I don't know the area. I don't know Kuno National Park. I do not know the culture of the livestock holders there. It is something that is done sometimes. Of course, this needs quite some logistics because somebody has to go quickly when it's reported and make sure that it is really a kill from a cheetah. This is something that is, depending how old the carcass is, not really easy to decide. And then uh, this might work. It can also be that the, the farmers have an idea of more protecting the livestock, having a herd with them, but I really do not know the setup in India. But it's something that is sometimes done and works, but it depends a lot of the culture and what has been done before and how the tolerance is. Right. I mean, you're absolutely right about uh, the culture here. I mean, we don't know, for instance, I mean, if, if it, it is possible, it's in the realm of possibility that when, when it is known that uh, there will be a speedy compensation for livestock lost to a cheetah. And you said it's not easy to identify for sure whether a particular dead uh, livestock is is a cheetah kill or not. Maybe it's possible there is no someone might want to kill a particular uh, livestock and then claim that it has been killed by cheetah and ask for compensation. You know, we don't know. It might end up in the court. So uh, that's a big question mark uh, there as well. Now, secondly, uh, the, the action plan in India also has something to say about cheetahs that quote-unquote, stray into neighboring villages and the plan is to, quote-unquote, rescue them using tranquilizers and then cart them back to the protected area. We've already seen that, I think, happen once. Maybe it wasn't rescued, but we did see a cheetah straying into a neighboring uh, village already. So, but how many times can one do this? I mean, you, you see a cheetah strays once. You said already the space is inadequate, so the straying uh, could happen repeatedly and then you, you tranquilize them using these darts. And then you cut them back and then the cheetah has to undergo this whole process maybe once, twice. Like what does it do to the the, the mind of the cheetah, if, if one can use that term? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly every tranquilization, immobilization has physical costs, physiological costs, and it's certainly a stress for the animal. And it, it's difficult to say how often you can do this, but I think the more important question is, why do you want to do this? We predict that the animals first want to know the area where they are in, just figure out where are they now, how does it look like, where can I set up a territory, where are other cheetahs, where is it safe for me, where are females, where are males. So all this is something we think that has to happen. This happens also in Namibia. When you put cheetahs in an area that have, is not yet occupied, they, they just explore the area, and this is several months that they explore this area. And if you want to prevent this and bring them back all the time, 
you have to know why you want to prevent this. This is probably something that the animals want to do. They have a strong interest in doing this. So they will do this again and again. And it, it's more a question of management and, and how you want to set up this. Why do you want to prevent it? Is this probably something that the cheetahs want to do? And how often do you want to do this? I'm not a vet, so I cannot really answer this. But I just would predict as a biologist that they will do this again and again because they need to know where are the others, where is the situation, where do I have food, where is it dangerous for me, where it's fine. So this is a process that they want to do. And if you want to prevent it, you have to fence them in. Right. Fencing them in, that's not an ideal situation uh, as uh, anybody no. uh, <laughs> can Im- <laughs> Right. What, what happens if you fence them in? You can do this. This uh, you, you can, of course. There are a lot of cheetahs in captivity. Also in South Africa, there are reserves that are fenced in and there is a lot of cheetahs in there. So it works. But this is a completely different setup. And there, these populations, these reserves, there are about 70, they are highly, highly managed. So there is a person who decides which animals goes to which place and it's a female or a male. So it's completely managed. But I think this is, was not the idea of bringing in cheetahs to India to have a system like in South Africa where they have quite a lot of cheetahs and also in this fenced enclosed area. But also there, they have fights. There are animals that are killed by other cheetahs. So this is, is then the consequence because they have these territories and every male wants to have sooner or later a territory. So this is something you have to think about. What what is the longer term goal and where do you want to go and how should this all be set up? But I cannot tell you what it does to the mental health of a cheetah. I just think a cheetah wants to explore the new area. Right. Uh, Dr. Okta, you made a very good point here about the whole aspect of managing the cheetahs if you're going to have them uh, fenced in. And it's interesting you should bring this up because uh, just this week, the Madhya Pradesh Forest Department has written to the center saying they are struggling for want of uh, enough logistical support and space. You know, logistical support, they mean basically they don't have enough staff to manage the cheetahs in the Kuno National Park. And, and, and it's sort of dovetails with what you mentioned earlier about there being inadequate space. So if you're going to have more cheetahs and less space, then obviously they're going to stray outside the area and either you go bring them back or watch them or you have to fence it in. In all three cases, you need more staff. And that is actually what I think was not factored in in the Kuno National Park because the, the, the officials in charge of it have written saying that we don't have enough staff to manage these cheetahs. Now, which brings us to the other uh, question you raised about the longer term plan. Now, according to the Cheetah Action Plan, it's very clear that India wants over the long term a sizable self-sustaining population of cheetahs in the country. I don't know what that number would be, which is a minimum number, which is self-sustaining. You could probably weigh in on that. And secondly, I want you to just talk about quickly, like you just said Kuno National Park can only have five or six, maybe seven cheetahs at the most, not 20 at any rate. So how do you reach this number if you're not going to have uh, that many cheetahs in this national park? So how do you, how does India grow a cheetah meta population as they call it in India? How does it work if, if, if they have, if they need so much of territory and India has uh, constraints in terms of how much land uh, 
it can sort of make available for this. So how do you go about doing this in India? Yeah, this is a very important question. Yeah, uh, where we are working here uh, in Namibia, we work on an area with 40,000 square kilometers. <laughs> Etosha National oh Park God. is 22,000 square kilometers. The Serengeti National Park in East Africa is 14,000 square kilometers. So we are talking about very, very, very big areas. But of course, it can also be in smaller areas. Then you have less cheetahs. Um, but Cheetahs need this space. This is just how their social system and the mating system is set up. So if you have just small areas, you could think of connecting them in a way with wildlife corridors. And the cheetahs that are going out of Kuno currently, I do not know in which direction they go, but maybe they figure out that in one direction, which maybe has less villages or is not populated that densely, or there is a mountain ridge or, or a river or anything, that they think this is a good area to walk into this direction. So the cheetahs will tell you what they like. And then, but I have no idea whether this is feasible, then you look where at the other side is the next national park that could host other cheetahs, and then it's connected with this naturally made corridor that the cheetahs decided that this is a good way to walk through to the next national park so that they have some exchange. But I have no idea whether this is feasible. But telling the cheetahs that they have to go towards north and 500 kilometer further north, there is a next cheetah population. This is difficult to tell them. And it's also difficult to force them to go that way. So I think to it's it's probably the best for the cheetah of their point of view to let them stray stray around, look around, explore the area, and tell the people who manage it where they would like to go because this is the area that they think for them is good. But also this takes quite some time until they have figured this out. And then we can see whether on the other end of the towards the area they are walking. There's another place, another national park that could take on some more. But I think this is this would be all planned around the cheetah biology and cheetah ecology. This is normally not how these um, plants work. Often it's political reasons, financial reasons, uh, manpower reasons, these kind of things. So for me, it's difficult to give any suggestion here because i as i said before i've never been there i don't know how the system works i do not know the culture there the political constraints the financial constraints but it is a big and important uh, question that should take into account cheetah biology and ecology Right. I mean, I think it, it is, it is, it's a big point you made there in terms of the what is the norm in Africa for, uh, for, the, for the size of the national parks or territories where they are uh, released. And you're talking about 40,000 square kilometers, 22,000 square kilometers. And the smallest of them, uh, the examples you mentioned is 14,000 square kilometers. And here we have 748 square kilometers. So it's a completely different ball game. And then you also explain that one way India could explore 
to make more space available for cheetahs for a sustainable population is to build these cheetah corridors. But then the key uh, takeaway from uh, not just uh, this context, but also your, your entire comments and observation is, I think you, you summed it up in one line, listen to the cheetah rather than trying to make the cheetah listen to you. I mean, <laughs> would that be right? <laughs> this is a nice sentence, yeah, nice summary. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Water. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you and talking to you about cheetahs and uh, learning from you about their behavior and ecology. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks to you. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.